From KLIN Radio and the Lincoln Independent Business Association, this is the Lincoln Business Beat, a weekly summary of news affecting area business and a review of interesting topics and issues. Along with LIBA Policy and Research Coordinator Carter Teal, I'm Mark Vail. Glad to have you joining us. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890nebraska.com, where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. Well, Carter, um, I'm not hearing much from Governor Pillen on a proposed sales tax hike or a sales tax exemption or Mm. any of that. He says they're going to be discussing it with his group of 40 and those in the legislature. Have you got anything new? Yeah, well, I mean, he did have a press conference on Monday, Mark. Um, he reiterated his his promise to lower property taxes by 40%, hitting that $2 billion mark that he was... He wants $2 billion in cuts. Yes, from $2 billion in cuts in property taxes, quote-unquote transformative property tax relief. Um, but several times he was asked questions about does fulfilling that promise include raising sales taxes by 2%, up to 2%, the subject that was our deep dive last week, to make up for a lot of the lost revenue? And he didn't answer those questions, but he kind of alluded to every option is still on the table right now. Yeah, he's he's absolutely committed to yeah. uh, the, the $2 billion in yeah. cuts. But in order to, you know, balance the, the books, so to speak, you've got to find it somewhere else. And uh, on his uh, monthly statewide radio program, he said they've already got about a billion of that mm-hmm. through the uh, property tax reductions because community colleges have come yes. off that local property. Yes. So we're looking at roughly a billion or maybe a little more. Yeah. And probably in sales tax. Of, it's of it's kind of reduction of exemptions or an increase or combination. Mm-hmm. It can come in a lot of different forms, but his focus right now, as you mentioned earlier, is securing 33 legislatures, which is the the requirement for a filibuster-proof majority to back whatever that plan ends up being. And it's going to have to come pretty quickly because the deadline for introducing new bills is on the 17th this coming Wednesday in five days. So 33 is the number as we record this, but there is a proposal uh, that's coming out of the Rules Committee that that could possibly change. So stand by on that. <laughs> that's, uh, I'll, I'll look into it. That, well, they're, they're going to be debating it came out of the Rules Committee, uh, and it was not unanimous. It was a three to two, so it's going to be a contentious issue. Mm. Um, that it, it's an interesting one to look at, at least what's being proposed. Well, we mentioned rules not going past January 9th, 19th, so. That's the speaker's goal, but <laughs> who knows? Here we go. Yep, here we go. Uh, we had a, uh, also news this week um, of a big redevelopment proposal, a project up in Northwest Lincoln. This would kind of be east of Northwest High School, as mm-hmm. I saw the map. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of up in that area just south of the airport. We had at city council meeting on Monday, LIBA member Mark Hunzecker spoke um, on behalf of an unnamed commercial enterprise to begin the process, the first process of jumping through the regulatory hoops necessary to start this redevelopment project in Northwest Lincoln. And I think that this is so funny because in the city council agenda, it was listed as FFF LLC. The company name was FFF LLC. So this is like a big project that's going on, you know, 43 acre redevelopment project, um, part of the 
Falcon Corner project. And so I'm asking around different people looking it up online, like, who is FFF? And everybody says, I have no idea. And then, of course, Mark at the city council meeting is saying, well, there's confidentiality agreements. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's just their John Doe. So (laughs) sort of like the uh, when the Google data center project was talked about in Mm -hmm. 2017, we we all kind of thought it was Google, but never really had it for sure. So. Yeah, but this is going to be a, a, an array of different retail stores, um, a, a big commercial enterprise. The acreage is kind of uh, something to sort through when you look at these sorts of things because the city is trying to make this project as part of a 503 area that encompasses it that was already declared as blighted by the city back in 2008. Yeah, that's a 503 acre area. 503 acre. That's a lot of land. Oh yeah. So it's it's primarily blighted because of the inaccessibility to a sewer system. And the best thing about this project, this 43 acre redevelopment project is they would construct West Vine Road or take West that Vine, out. Yeah. West Vine Street. So um, that would be something uh, that would be really great. And so applying for the rezoning from agricultural to commercial is the first step of that. And then going to apply for taxable increment financing for the upfront costs of the sewer system, West Vine Road, and some of the upfront costs of the construction will come next. Well, there's a lot of uh, growth and potential in that area with Northwest High School, uh, you know, now in their, what, second, third year. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, it's not surprising. This is just on the northeast corner of I-80 and Northwest 48, as yes. I understand it. So yes. Just to give everybody kind of a, an idea. Of yeah, and we talk so much about expanding eastward with the East Beltway. And so this is kind of interesting. We see some westward expansion, too. So great stuff. Leave events in the near future. We've got the or the monthly luncheon coming up on the 16th, and that's going to be a forum on the epic tax. Yeah, so come ready with your questions. Tuesday, January 16th, our host is InSource Financial Advisors. Guest speaker will be Senator Steve Erdman and Corby Gilbertson for the epic tax proposal. Then a couple days later on Thursday, January 18th, we have our BizNet. That's going to be hosted by Lee and Associates from 4.30 to 6.30 in the afternoon at 200 South 21st Street. And then Coffee and Contacts will be on Tuesday, January 23rd. There is an address change here, so make sure to mark this. It's going to be hosted by Katie Coaster, who is EOS implementer from 7.30 to 9 a.m. at 3400 Plantation Drive, Suite 100. That's 3400 Plantation Drive, Suite 100. So, and of course, you can always uh, check these out, these dates, at liba.org, L-I-B-A. Yeah, uh, all included in my policy update. And there's one other thing I wanted to shout out here. I got this just before I came here, so... Powering Lincoln into the future on Saturday, January 20th from 1.30 to 3.30 in the afternoon at Hardin Hall, room 107, join Conservation Nebraska and Lincoln Electric System representatives to discuss ongoing and future plans for energy production in Lincoln. That'll be a big one. So I'll include this stuff in the policy update and 
mark it in your calendar because we have some big things coming up. And if you're not a LIBA member, you can also uh, get a hold of Carter. It's just Carter at LIBA.org for his email. And, of course, you can get a lot of this information at the LIBA website. Again, that's LIBA.org. Our deep dive coming up, we're going to talk about some legislative proposals in the short unicameral session this year. Husker fans, you've probably heard about NIL, name, image, and likeness. And now you can have an immediate effect on the success of the program. The 1890 Initiative is Nebraska's premier NIL company. And with your help, we can maximize our student-athletes' opportunities with NIL and prepare them for life after college. Nebraska has always been a leader in college athletics. Let's do the same with NIL. To learn more, visit 1890nebraska.com, where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes. That's 1890nebraska.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Back in the Lincoln Business Beat uh, with Carter Teal, Leave a Policy and Research Coordinator. And we welcome in from the uh, Platt Institute, the Director of Government Affairs, Nicole Fox is with us as well. And, I believe we're going to talk about, what, some legislative proposals that uh, Carter's been digging into, and you've uh, certainly become uh, very knowledgeable in these areas. Welcome to Lincoln Business Beat. Yes, thanks for having me on today. So, Nicole, thank you again for coming in. I'm wondering, the Platt Institute a couple months ago came out with a four-year campaign to lower taxes based on a report that you guys did. Um, you want to just go over that? Tell us a little bit about the, the things that the Platt is working towards. Yeah, so first I'd like to uh, back paddle just a little bit to 2023. So in 2023, uh, the Nebraska legislature passed historic tax relief, tax reforms, mm -hmm. uh, by eliminating the community colleges um, from the tax rolls. That saves the average Nebraskan about 6% on their property tax bill. And then with some of the income tax changes, uh, the in income tax cuts that were passed last year, when those completely phase in, the average household is going to save about $3,000. Hmm. So we had some of the most, you know, largest, you know, tax cuts in the nation last year. We, you know, we, we made uh, some national headlines in the tax policy world as far as the work that was done. And so over the interim, we said, let's continue this momentum. What can we do to continue this momentum to make Nebraska as tax-friendly as possible? Over the years, we've been kind of in the middle of the pack, maybe just you know, mm -hmm. in the top 
60 percent, I'll say. Our tax rankings have been about 25 to 30, 30th in the nation. So, But the thing is, is that on top of what Nebraska's doing, other states are also making several reforms because it, you know, there's revenue surpluses to do so, ways to pay for it. And so kind of what we're saying is we did really good things last year. But if we stand still and other states continue their momentum because they're planning to, they're going to leapfrog us. And, you know, we're going to not be, you know, be back to not being quite as competitive as we could be. So what we did at the Platt Institute was we took a look at how, what are things that we can do to continue that momentum? And there were, a, there's a variety of proposals that we've come up with. Now, there's only so much that you can do in a short 60-day session. Right. Um, also, there are, there's quite a bit of carryover legislation from last year that also mm -hmm. kind of makes it a little bit more difficult, plus the rules that they're doing today. Mm -hmm. So we decided, well, let's tackle this over the course of four years and um, make some recommendations. So that's what we did. And so we're, we're chipping away at it as we speak. We've had, we've got some stuff that's carryover from last year um, in the hopper um, down at the legislature. And then also we've got uh, some proposals to add to that per our, some of our recommendations. Well, how much, and I'm curious, as you look back and you mentioned 2023, but there was so much federal uh, aid that came into <laughs> states all over mm -hmm. with the, the pandemic mm -hmm. and the CARES Act and, and all of that. That has to make a huge difference in how deep you have to go in studying this because those numbers for a few years are just off the charts yes. crazy. Is that a fair analysis? Yes. I mean, what we saw as a result of the pandemic and all the federal relief, yes, that's, that's unprecedented. Uh, one thing, though, what the, what the pandemic did create was, you know, what we would call some of this pent-up demand. Mm. And that's why you see some of the sales tax revenue um, being, above project, being above projections is because, you know, there's lots of economic development projects that had kind of been put on hold and just, you know, consumers at home. So, yeah, there was some pent-up demand that was also a little bit, you know, not the usual economic activity. Hmm. And you mentioned it before that Nebraska did make some national news with the tax cuts that we did. With the proposal from Governor Pillen, there might be <laughs> some more national news about that as we come up. But I, I do kind of wonder, in light of a lot of those pandemic relief funds that have been given to different states, do you think that there's any fear with, um, you know, cutting different taxes that when these programs, when these grants expire, that that's not going to be able to be made up. Yeah, and during the time that all this federal money was coming into our state, we definitely got out in front and said, we have to remember this is a one-time mm -hmm. historic event here. And the use of that money really needs to be, you know, planned on a one-time basis. We can't start creating programs that are going to require, you know, future spending obligations by the state. Okay. So. Well, yeah, that's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But, you know, we are in session now. And so mm -hmm. this is where the rubber meets the road for a lot of this stuff. So yeah. a few of the things that you guys have in mind over the next four years, we're already seeing them yep. gain some traction in the legislature. Yeah. And I'd be happy to, to talk about those. Um, so, so far we're, we're, you know, a little over halfway now as far as bill introduction. Um, and we've 
seen a handful of bills be introduced that reflect some of the recommendations in uh, the policy paper that we did release at the end of November. Um, one of those was uh, introduced yesterday, actually, by Senator Clements, mm -hmm. and this is LB 1067. LB 1067 proposes to phase out the state's inheritance tax over the course of a, of a few years. This builds upon um, some of the work he's previously done that we worked with him on, and that is LB 310 uh, that passed in 2021. So Nebraska is actually very uncompetitive here, and this is a huge opportunity for us. LB uh, 1067 would, like I said, phase out the inheritance tax. Would it do it completely, though, or was it just by a percentage? So this would be a complete eventual phase out. Okay. Um, so, yeah, Nebraska is one of five states that levies an inheritance tax, so we are definitely in the minority. Hmm. We're the only state west of the Mississippi River to do so. And we are the only state to do so at the county level, which makes getting rid of this tax very tricky because <laughs> at the, the other states that, that impose it um, – do so at the state level. But we are very, very big supporters of getting rid of the inheritance tax. In fact, last year, there was a bill introduced by Senator Merv Reapy, LR23CA, which would also get rid of the inheritance tax, but this would take it to a vote of the people. So, and that is carryover legislation. It's still sitting in Revenue Committee. Platt supports, you know, any means to get rid of the inheritance tax. It's egregious and it's antiquated and it needs to go. What else is uh, coming before the legislature this year or are you planning uh, into 25? Yeah. Uh, just kind of the process of this four-year process and how that works into the legislative process and because you, you're looking backwards, you're looking forward, you're looking current. Yeah. Just kind of go through that from a practical standpoint, how you have to deal with it. Yeah. So I think some of it, uh, we, we've kind of in our, in, our, in our paper have laid out things that are currently in the legislature, things that we hope to see introduced this year, as well as things in the future. And some of that, just, some of it does require an education and research component for people to understand the policy and why it's good. So, for example, um, on top of the inheritance tax right now, there's some carryover legislation, LB 173 by Senator Bostar, um, that's already been introduced and, and we've got the support garnered. We just got to get it across the finish line. This deals with remote workers. So, um, because of COVID, um, I think the focus on remote workers has been magnified. And so what this does is, is recognizes that, you know, not everybody that is in Nebraska lives in Nebraska and is in Nebraska every day doing business. And so this um, addresses some of the issues with remote work because right now, as um, things stand, if somebody from outstate comes to Nebraska just for one day, then they must file and their employer must also file. So what this does is gives them some leeway and so, and um, they're looking at a 30-day proposal, mm -hmm. uh, 15 to 30-day. We'll kind of see where they land. Um, but just to, to give them a little bit of, you know, cushion so that, to decrease some of the income tax filing burdens. So that is one of them. Um, we're re 
uh, introducing a bill from last year just because we think it'll it'll um, better from a fiscal standpoint there'll be a better understanding of it now that we've reduced the corporate income tax rate but this has to deal with some with full expensing so and again it's it's this is a third reintroduction but it's taken a while um, to get people to understand what we're trying to do and why it's so important to Nebraska. So uh, this is uh, Senator Brad Von Gillern introduced LB 1023. And so this what, what this would do is allow Nebraska, bus Nebraska businesses that invest in ag equipment or machinery mm -hmm. or those that uh, invest in research and experimentation um, equipment to fully expense it in the year the cost was incurred. Now, that is a provision that, um, and w why it's so important is back in 2017 when the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was passed, mm -hmm. uh, this went into effect. And this is, this is a provision that brought a lot of businesses that had been shipped overseas back to the United States. And so the thought is, is that if we can do this in Nebraska, um, it'll attract businesses to Nebraska. Um, with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, there was a pay for, and this provision was part of it. So what we're trying to do is say we want to decouple from that provision. It expired, parts of it expired in 2022, parts of it expired in 2023. And so right now, only three states have done what Nebraska is trying to do. So we could be, you know, a leader on that front to, you know, help businesses recoup some of their, their investment costs and, and encourage investment in Nebraska. The next part of it, uh, of our plan, it deals with, the, with property taxes, things on the property tax front. And two bills have been introduced so far uh, dealing with bonding. Mm. Because bonding most definitely impacts our property tax This bill. is the big one. Yes, yes. <laughs> there's two proposals out there. Um, the first proposal is LB 878, introduced by Senator Rick Holdcroft. This one deals with school bonding only, mm -hmm. and then um, LB 988, uh, sponsored by Senator Luann Linehan, was introduced. This one tackles all taxing entities. Yeah. All of the local taxing entities, governments, counties, school districts, all of them together. Yes. And the basis of it is, in, in summary, there's no more special elections for bond referendums. All of them would have to take place on a primary or general election ballot. And so obviously the intention there is, you know, when these things go to special election, there isn't that good of turnout. Maybe you mail in your ballots. Not many people know about it. But if it passes, a lot of people's taxes go up. So I see the merit in this sort of legislation because if you're going to increase the public's, the public's taxes, you would prefer to have that on a vote that receives a, a high turnout because you want an accurate representation of the public's opinion. Okay, But the obvious counter-argument that I see coming in response is, well, when is a majority of the public's opinion ever going to be, you know what, we should raise our own taxes, you know? So w w what would you respond with for that? Well, I think that um, 
you know, there are times, and even as a taxpayer myself, I think there are times where you might be in favor of a bond. So the Plav Institute being based out of Omaha, I think of some of the Omaha area um, suburbs that are just growing in leaps and bounds. Mm-hmm. Their schools are bursting at the seams. And so if I was a taxpayer in that particular uh, school district and I knew that, you know, there was a reasonable cause for it to be, mm-hmm. you know, to build a new school or to build an addition. I mean, I, I understand that. And, and somebody might go, I need, you know, we probably need to look at building another school. So I don't think it's, it's going to be that everybody just, you know, says no. But I think that what happens is when you have these special elections, people aren't always paying attention. And Mm -hmm. so that's why you have low turnout. And also because they're not paying attention, they're not educating themselves. Whereas when you're talking about election years like 2024, people are people are paying attention. People are paying Mm -hmm. attention right now to what's going to happen in the, you know, Iowa caucuses and such. So they're more apt to start educating themselves about issues that are going to be on the ballot. You have better voter turnout. And I think you just have a better representation of the people's opinion. Yeah, and you mentioned about voters themselves being more incentivized to be informed. But another aspect of this, you could argue, is that it incentivizes the taxing entities to reach out and be more informative, to make more of an effort to inform the citizens about why their issues are. Correct. Um, Okay. And I think another, you know, another thing to keep in mind is that elections come with costs and elections are not done for free. And so when you have a special election, the county election commission is billing that entity. So if it's mm. a special school bond election, um, the, the schools are being billed for that and they're passing the cost of that election on to the taxpayer. So that's another reason why if we can combine voting on bond issues with, you know, your your primary election or your general election, it's going to help reduce costs. Now, I will go a little bit further to say um, Senator Holcroft's bill is is a little bit different than uh, Senator Linehan's bill in two ways. Number one, it just focuses on schools. Mm-hmm. Senator Holcroft's bill says, though, it has to be at a general election only. Mm. So it even gets rid of the primary election part. Well, the general elections always have the, the, the highest turnout, turnout. so there, there could be a, a case made for that. But we'll have to see where it goes. Yeah. It would really be interesting on that is to see the debate on it, oh. and the uh, especially at the hearings. So that that's mm-hmm. going to be an interesting one. Yeah. yeah. So who do you see? We can pretty much guess. Obviously, the school districts are going to come out against this. But who do you see lining up to oppose this sort of legislation? Uh, good, good question. I mean, at this point, we're just we're just prepared for what the ta- you know the, the the political the affected political subdivisions are mm-hmm. um, are going to say. City councils, county boards. Well, yeah, secondary one. Yeah, and that's what I mean when we when I say the 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 corresponding political subdivisions. So yeah, mm-hmm. the co- the county commissioners are going to show up. You're going to have, you know, either mayors or <clears throat> city council members, 
school board members. And they the and they carry a lot of weight. They, you know? they do. It carries a lot of weight in the hearings when those sorts <laughs> of figures come forward. But yeah, I think with this one, at least, though, you know, we're not we're not doing something like limiting, trying to limit their spending. We're just saying when our elections are held, we're not saying they mm -hmm. can't bond. It's just they're going to have to maybe plan a little bit more further in advance um, versus just kind of, you know, oh, we decide we want to bond and we're going to have a special election. Mm -hmm. And go ahead. Well, no, go ahead, because uh, I've got I want to go a little different direction uh, uh, from the taxing perspective. So I think we, we need to wrap up this 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 okay. proposal. Well, I was just going to mention that. You met, you talked about how they would plan in advance because one of the criticisms that I saw that I read about was, well, then taxing entities are going to have to start campaigning for these bond issues, and that's going to cost money. But you do mention, you know, having the special elections themselves does cost money, and I I'm not sure of the exact amounts, but do you do you have any recollection of how much of a difference that would make? The difference in cost between the special election yes. and holding a special bond referendum compared to how much it might cost to campaign. You know, you've been around, I, so <laughs> well. I mean, that you know that that's. Uh, I, I'm going to say that depends. It depends on how they depend. You know, they want to campaign. Obviously, you know, media spots are very expensive. Um, yeah, I, I can't, I don't know that I can really comment on how much that mm -hmm. would cost because that would be their own kind of local decisions. In, so. in many aspects, this would be entering uncharted territory, though, yeah. because we haven't yeah. seen something like this before. But uh, of note, <clears throat> it can be done because Iowa passed a bill last year that did <clears throat> pretty much a combination <clears throat> Of, <clears throat> sorry, um, Iowa passed a bill last year that limited the the ability of bonding questions to be put in front of the voters to general elections only for all political subdivisions. Okay. So if Iowa can move forward with it, so can <laughs> Nebraska. As as Governor Pillen says, it's it's good healthy competition when Iowa does good things. Well, and, and from the campaign perspective, uh, they're probably going to campaign whether it's a special, special election, election or, or a general election. Uh, you know, the people on are going to line up on each side and the entities are going to be out there uh, mm. pushing their deal. I, well, yeah. we've been talking a lot about tax policy and the four-year mm -hmm. plan. Uh, one thing that I've heard from several people, and I, I'm curious what you're hearing in your, from your perspective, because you <laughs> deal with a lot of legislators and a lot of policymakers, and, and I've heard Governor Pillen talk about trying to put into place some hard caps on spending. You know, mm -hmm. when you talk to taxation, taxes, and I've heard more in the last probably six months about spending and spending caps. Are you hearing anything in those areas, and does that factor into how you do your research and your proposals? Yes, I've definitely heard lots of talk about spending caps. In fact, we at Platt, we've had conversations with governor's staff, with several senators <clears throat> about this idea. And <clears throat> it, it stems from uh, a Texas bill that we really liked. It was passed back in 2019, I believe, HB2, I think it was. 
And that's what they did. They proposed a series of spending caps. Now, it did their bill in their bill. They they had a little bit of uh, differentiation between some of the different political subdivisions. But basically, the range was two point five to three point five percent. Now, in their bill. <clears throat> which I, which is something that we've talked about here in Nebraska, is it, it does allow if a taxing entity wants to exceed the cap, they must first go to a vote of the people, plead their case, and, and it has to go to a vote of the people. And so, you know, we think that's, that that's reasonable because we understand that sometimes there are special things that happen right. where, where that might need to be exceeded. But, no, we, we support the notion, and we've been talking about the notion, and that is part of our paper. All right. What have we got left to talk about, Carter? I think we've solved just about everything except how do you get uh, how, how do you nail jello to a tree? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that about does it. You've provided some great insight, Nicole. Thank you for coming on and sharing your perspective. I hope to be seeing you around quite a bit during the session. You have been very helpful to me in my first few months here. You've reached out several times, helped me get the gist of what's going to be happening. So Again, I thank you very much and look forward to working with you. Yes, thanks for having me on again, and um, I look forward to working with you as well. Well, Nicole, uh, the Platt Institute is, uh, has got a lot of resources available, and especially for our business members that mm-hmm. want to be brought up to date and stay up to date. How can they, they find out more about the Platt Institute, and, and what are the uh, online services that are already out there and available for people to stay up on all of these issues? Great question. And there are a few avenues that people can take to learn about the work we're doing at the Platt Institute. Number, The first one is to go to our website, which is just plattinstitute.org. And on there, you will see things from, from blog posts to legislation that we're tracking. Um, if you want to get information, you can also, through our website, sign up for um, our weekly newsletter. Every week we put out a newsletter uh, talking about the, th- the work that we're doing, whether it's policy papers we're releasing or legislation we're supporting. Um, so those are two ways. We also uh, can be reached through social media. So we do have a Twitter page, we have a Facebook page, and we also have LinkedIn. So any of those routes will get... Uh, interested members into our work. They can find out a lot more. And and just to, to uh, correct one thing, it's X, formerly known as Twitter. Oh, that's right. I still <laughs> say Twitter. I, it's, it's always, I, I say Twitter and I tweet and I retweet and I, yeah, one of these days I might, uh, uh, might no. call He's it X. He's particular about that. <laughs> no, because I'm, I'm guilty of the very same yeah, thing. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm a little bit conscious. Yeah. Well, appreciate you being here. And yeah. uh, maybe uh, as we go through the session or maybe as it wraps up, do a, a do dive a and, and take a look at the next projections. I mean, you know, once we get done with this session, we're a mere, what, eight and a half, nine months before they get together again. So, mm-hmm. yep. This is not over. Yeah. Nicole, glad to have you with us on the Lincoln Business Beat. Nicole Fox is the Platt Institute's Director of Government Affairs. This has been the Lincoln Business Beat from the Lincoln Independent Business Association and KLIN Radio. Reviewing and updating business owners and community members about what's happening in the business community in and around Lincoln. Along with Leva Policy and Research Coordinator Carter Teal, I'm Mark Vale. Lincoln Business Beat is made possible by the 1890 Initiative. Visit 1890nebraska.com where 100% of your donation goes directly to Husker student-athletes.